0: Thanks for tuning in to the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. Welcome everybody, great to have you here with us today. If you're joining us online, huge welcome to each of you. Thank you for being with us, for joining us at our different Central Family locations. And by the way, every single Central Family location is open and having live services with restrictions. So we're thrilled about that. So you can check our website, centralonline.tv, to find out more information about that. But a big shout out to uh, Central Kingman. Love you guys. Good to have you with us. To uh, Central Sunrise Mountain, Central Southern Highland, Central Summerlin, and to our Central Henderson family. Um, Man, we're excited to be able to gather and worship today. And if you're joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars in different prison facilities around the country, we're grateful you guys are with us. Thank you. Well, I don't know if you can remember back in like uh, March and, and April the great paper products shortage. But, uh, you know, it seems like in some ways that was years ago, doesn't it? But it wasn't that long ago. And, uh, man, it just felt like every time you went to the grocery store or whatever and you looked at the paper products, all the items, toilet paper, paper towels, you know, all those things were gone. There was just nothing there. It was pandemonium there for a while. I remember Lori and I, we placed an order for some paper goods and it was like two months and we still placed it. We're like, okay, two months, but at least it'll be here. And so that went on for a while. Then eventually, like, paper items started showing up, remember? Like, you you go to a store, and you'd see, like, two things of toilet paper with a sign that says, you know, you can only get one per customer. And I don't know about you, but I was all elbows at that moment, like, get up, back up. You know, like, I got to get to that toilet paper. I get that toilet paper. I get that paper. And, you know, this this is not the good stuff, right? The good stuff was all gone. This was stuff where, like, I mean, you know, if you blew your nose with it, you get a rash. If you use a toilet paper, it's made out of, like, bamboo or something. You remember, um, the paper towels didn't absorb anything, but you had paper towels, you know. And so every time I'm in the store, every time I see one, I'm like, I'm all over it. I got to have it, you know, and I grab one, I grab one, I grab one. Well, that goes on for a while. I can remember when I walked into um, a hardware store, actually, and they had a whole new shipment of Charmin. It was sitting there on, like, this thing. and it, did anybody, I had a religious experience. So I'm telling you, man, I was right there, and I'm like, Charmin, the good stuff is back, baby. Amazing. So I'm cleaning out my garage this week, just trying to stay sane, and, and uh, that's a journey these days, right? I'm cleaning out my garage, doing all the things, I'm trying to find a place to put all the- these paper products that we've bought over the, you know, weeks and weeks, right? And I finally get it, and I text Lori after I get it all sort of organized and put away, and I said, hey, look, we're good on toilet paper until end of next year. We are good on uh, paper towels until next summer at least, and we are good on Kleenex probably until 2022, just saying. And uh, then she texts me back, and she goes, plus, I just opened the front closet closet uh, door to our in our house, and there's a whole massive thing of Bounty paper towels crammed in there. I was like, "Oh yeah, I got those too." I saw this on social media. I thought this was pretty funny. Maybe you'll relate to this. It says, uh, "It says on March 18th, 2050, Tim opened the last package of toilet paper bought by his parents in 2020." That feels like uh, that could be real. Um, We get a little crazy when we go without, right? We get a little crazy when we feel like there won't be enough. And that can happen not only when it comes to paper goods, that can happen in a whole lot of areas of our lives. And uh, especially in this season where we've been facing a whole lot of there won't be enough, and the fear that there won't be enough. A lot of people have had their finances cut back, their hours cut back, their jobs cut back, and so that fear is tangible and real. And we look around, and we aren't kind of sure when this thing is going to end. I said to somebody today, they said, how you doing? I said, I'm okay. You know, I feel like I'm in a marathon, and I kind of know when it started, but I have no idea if I'm at, like, mile Marker 3 or mile Marker 23 or mile Marker 53, and I don't know how long this thing goes. I just do the Forrest Gump right now, you know? Just keep running, just keep running, just keep running, right? That's where we're at. And it's easy to sort of buy into the lie right now for myself and for all of us, I won't have enough. I won't have enough. And to let that start banging around in our minds. I won't have enough for retirement. I won't have enough for savings. I won't have enough food. I won't have enough energy. I won't have enough, uh, you name it, fill in the blank, right, for us to handle what's coming at us, but I want to share some good news with you today. This is some good news that I've been hanging on to all week in my life. I think it'll make a difference in your life, and that is simply this even when you have less than enough, listen, God can do more than you expect. Even when you have less than enough, God can do more than you expect. He is a God who promises to meet your needs. He promises to show up in your life. He promises he will be faithful to his kids. And you gotta hang on to that right now in this season. You gotta fight back against the lie, there won't be enough. And you gotta trust the God who can provide more than enough for you. You gotta push back on the lie with your faith. And to get us kind of set up With that thinking, I want to turn to um, a particular miracle story that's recorded in all four of the biographies of Jesus, the, the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the only miracle of Jesus that's actually recorded in all four. Biographies, And so I think each of the gospel writers wanted to emphasize the fact that this is significant and it tells us something about our generous God and how he wants to move and work in our heart and in our lives. So um, basically, let me just set it up. In Mark, Jesus' disciples have just come back from their very first outreach mission. And they're all fired up, but they're also exhausted and kind of worn out. And uh, Jesus, I think, is tired and worn out as well. So he says, hey, let's jump in this boat and let's sort of get away from the crowds for a little while and let's rest. I mean, it's early in Jesus' ministry. His popularity is huge. The people are like clamoring to hear his teaching and experience more of who he is. And so they get in a boat and they try to go to a place to rest, but all the people figure out where they're going. They're like the paparazzi. They figure out kind of where Jesus is going to be. And when they finally come up to the shore, here's all these people and not a few, over well, thousands of thousands of them. Now, I don't know about you, but I would probably look out at that situation and, and be frustrated or just think, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. How am I going to do this? But the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. So cool. He's moved with compassion. So he gets out of the boat and he teaches the people many things. And then evening rolls around It starts to get later in the day, and the disciples realize, here's all these people, we're hungry, they're hungry, there's no food, There's it's like Woodstock, y'all, Woodstock's happening, and there's no water, you know what I mean, there's no like basic resources going on, and so the disciples come to Jesus, and they're like, hey man, what do we do? You know, we gotta send these people home. It's gonna get crazy out here. They need to go home and be able to get food. And then Jesus says this to them, Mark chapter six, verse thirty-seven. When we get to the red words here, I'm gonna ask you to just say them out loud with me. It says, But Jesus said, You feed them. You feed them, and then they said what? With what? You see that? With what? Anybody had a with what moment lately? You're sitting there with your kids, trying to get them to do online school. You're supposed to keep them engaged to a computer for multiple hours a day, and uh, doing this thing called learning that they're so excited about. And you're trying to make all this happen, and then you're also trying to work and navigate everything. You're like, man, how am I supposed to do it? With what? How am I supposed to do this? Some of you feel like that with finances now. You're like, you're like man, you know, the bills keep coming, the, you know, the payments keep coming, and how am I supposed to pay all this? With what? Some of you feel that way with with, uh, energy issues right now, with emotional things going on in your family. You're like, how am I supposed to keep kind of keeping everybody together and holding it all together? With what, they asked. With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. They're like, Jesus, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? We don't have enough. There's not enough. And then Jesus is going to teach them a very important principle in this moment, that is, when you look around and you, you start to fear, man, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm gonna have enough. The first thing he challenges us with is this simple thought, to start with what you have to start with what you have. And this is gonna be for somebody today. Start with what you have. I remember when I was in college, uh, some friends of mine were in this uh, choir. And this choir, they were going on a big choir tour on spring break to Florida, and so they were doing this musical, and so they wanted me to be a part of it, to basically to be able to go on that trip. And so they, they came to me and they talked to me about it, and I broke down and I said, all right, I'll do it. You know, so I joined, I joined this like choir Broadway thing, and I got this little acting part. Um, but other than that, it was mostly singing. And so, you know, I'm basically there for my friends, and so, you know, we're like singing, and I can't, if, you, well, if you've been around Central very long, then you know I can't, brother can't hold a tune, okay? Like, I cannot sing. I only sing for a laugh. But I remember one moment, I'm singing in the choir, and the choir teacher stops everybody. Says, stop, 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 everything stops. She looks at me, and she says, Will Height, you just lip-sync from now on. No lie. She says, you just and she she, you know, like I understand what lip sync means, but I remember she goes, you just move your lips and don't make any noise. And I'm like, wow, that was harsh, right? She said, You just you're here for your part. And my part was this little acting moment. Like that it was like two minutes. I just walked out, acted this little thing, but I got to go to Florida. You know what my character was in the acting part? I was a pastor. And I think everybody saw it back then, like, that guy's going to be a pastor. You know, like, that guy. so... But, you know, I could easily look back on that situation and get frustrated because of things that I'm not good at, things that I don't have, gifts that I don't have. I'll never be able to sing, right? I'll never be able to do a whole lot of things. Or you can play to what you do have and play to your strengths and leverage that in your life. And when you come into scarcity in your life and you start feeling this fear, like I don't, I'm not gonna have enough, there's not gonna be enough, it's easy to start looking around and basically looking past all that you do have and looking forward in fear for all that you don't have or you might not have. And I think the challenge Jesus is going to give us is we have to look at what God has already given us, our gifts, our talents, our ability, our hustle, our strengths, and we have to lean into those in these seasons. In fact, look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 38, help me out on the red words here. Uh, Jesus asked them, he says, how much bread do you have? He asked. Go and what? find out. Now, that's a big word, because when you're facing scarcity, you want to look at all that you don't have. The disciples are like, how am I supposed to do all this with what? Well, Jesus says, "We'll start with what you have, how much bread you have, how much stuff you have, how much, what, where are your skills, where are your talents, what do you have? He says, go and find out. Take stock of what you have. And they came back and they reported, We have five loaves of bread and two fish. And you got to think they were like, See, Jesus told you so. We don't have enough. Like, all we have, five lame loaves of bread and two fish. And that's from this little kid who offered it up. Like, we don't have anything. We need to send the people away. But Jesus is going to challenge us to go back and start with what we actually have. I know some of you, you're facing lack and need right now and fear and it's tangible and it's real. And that's why we've been talking in this teaching series about things we need to get out of our mind. We have to get out of our mind the lie that we are on our own and that God will not intervene to help us as his children. Listen, I don't know how big the size of your need is, but the size of the need is no match for the size of your God. No matter how big it is, the size of your need is no match for the size of your God. And so look at what Jesus does in this moment. They're like, Jesus, we just got a few loaves, a few fish, and here's what we read. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 41, it says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he what, kept giving, you see that? He kept giving, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Listen, what Jesus does in this moment is what God often does in the hearts and lives of his people as well. He blesses us, he breaks us of our sin and our selfishness and our greed and our self-reliance, and then through blessing us and through the breaking then he releases us and he multiplies what God gives to us to pass on to others. And so he takes the five loaves and the two fishes, blesses it, breaks it, and then multiplies it and releases it, and it goes out to be distributed to all of the people. Listen, somebody needs to hear this today. You are loved by a generous God who always keeps on giving. You're loved by a generous God Part of that fear, I won't have enough, is rooted in the fact that we have yet to really embrace with our heart and life the realization that God is at his core generous and good and wants to bless his people. Where does the word bless show up the most often in the Bible? In the very first book, the book of Genesis. Why? Because I think God from the very beginning is showing he is a God that blesses. What's the very first thing God basically says to Adam and Eve? The Bible says, God bless them. He blessed them and he will bless you as well. You're loved by a generous God who keeps on giving. You say, how am I going to make it to next week? (laughs) Because God will keep on giving. That's how you're going to make it to next week. How am I going to have the patience to deal with my kids? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to rebuild my business? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to deal with my bankruptcy? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to repair my relationships? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to have enough in my retirement? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to finish this degree? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to keep performing at work? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to keep leading? Because God will keep on giving. How am I going to move forward even when it's overwhelming? Because God will keep on giving. Listen, You bring him your little, and you offer what you have, and you keep on distributing, and he keeps on giving. You keep on going because he keeps on giving. Come on, somebody. You keep on loving because he keeps on giving. You keep on encouraging because he keeps on giving. You keep on going because he keeps giving listen, it's it's often going to feel like it's not enough at first. It's often going to feel like five tiny little loaves of bread and and two fish. And man, you're always going to be tempted to look past what you have and only see what you don't have. But Jesus says, start with what you have. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose faith in your little. It's not about what you have. It's about what God can do with what you have. So even when you have less than enough, God can do more than you expect. You know, for me, I got this lesson in a powerful way on, uh, in March, right after the shutdown, um, when we did our very first pop-up food pantry. And I remember showing up at that food pantry to serve with our amazing central volunteers. And, and I was there for a lot of reasons. One, I wanted to be there. But two, I wasn't sure what was gonna happen and the whole world was shutting down and the coronavirus was real and I just I wasn't about to let any of our volunteers get sick without me being right on the front line with them, you know. So I'm there first day first sight, here we go, and by the time I showed up, there's already, like, hundreds of cars lined up, and it, I'd never at the time seen anything like it. It just blew my mind, and, and I remember to get there, I had to go down this certain way and flip a U-turn to get to where I was supposed to park, and so I'm just driving past all of these cars. I half wanted to roll my window down and be like, are you here for the food? Why are you? Is there a concert? Like, what's going on? But I knew where the, why they were there, and so I drove past all these cars. I pulled in, and as I pulled into my little parking space, I just... I've started to cry because I just thought, God, we can't do this. Like, let's just be real. You ever felt like this? God, it's hard enough to get by in a normal time. God, Central, your church, it's hard enough for us to meet all the needs in our community in the normal season. We'll shut down. We can't do it. We can't can't stay open and do all this. Maybe those are leadership questions. Maybe those are senior pastor questions. (laughs) but I had them and they were real. And I remember getting out of my car and I wiped my tears, I'm like overwhelmed, right? I'm like, I, I, don't need, I don't know what's gonna happen. I got out of my car and I thought about this scripture, the loaves and the fishes. And I remember standing outside of my car and just, just silently praying to God and just reminding God, all right God, you're gonna have to do the miracle. Right, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be done in a month at this rate and we'll be closed up if you don't show up and move and work. I'm willing to distribute <laughs> but you better be true to your word and provide, right? I'm willing to do whatever I need to do but God, if you don't show up, and I is no joke y'all, if you don't show up and do a miracle, it's over. So God, we're in your hands. We've always been in your hands, but haven't we all had some moments over the last few months where we're like, we're in your hands, and that's a whole other level than what it meant last month. We're in your hands. We started serving food, distributing food, and then the next day, and then the next day, and... Five, six days a week for the last six months, over seven million pounds of food, over 600,000 people have been served. It's amazing, it boggles my mind. But every time I hear those numbers, I'm reminded of the loaves and the fishes and the first day on that food line and my own fear and insecurity, and God showed up and did the miracle. And that's amazing. And so you start with what you have. What do we have? We had great partnerships with Three Square, a food bank, with Feeding America, the National Food Distribution Network, great partnerships that we had already built. We had amazing fearless volunteers who are willing to go out and serve in the unknown and do whatever it took to help other people. We had our central family who would rise to the challenge with generosity and do whatever it took with time, talent, and energy to serve others in their moment of need. We had so much, but I was tempted in my moment of fear to look past all that and look at what we didn't have. That's where we're often tempted, and I think Jesus is reminding us, Start with what you have. Look in your own life. What do you have? I know some of you are afraid right now. I get it, but let me tell you some things you have. You've got side hustle. You've got God's spirit working inside of you. You have the cross of Jesus Christ behind you and his coming return ahead of you. You have the hope of heaven instilled in your life. You are part of a church family and a community right here around you that love you and are with you. You are not alone. That is alive from the pit of hell. You are with others, and we're all in this crazy thing together. And you got to look at what you have. You got to look at all God has given you. You got to acknowledge it. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. You got to fight right now. You're in a war. You got to get up swinging. You got to swing all day. You got to go to bed swinging. You got to fight for your mental health, your family, your future, and your faith. You don't just lay back because it's hard, right? We don't get the opportunity to close the blinds up and quit. We just don't. Forrest Gump. Just keep on running, man. Just keep running. Just keep running. God will show up, and he'll do more than you expect. Here's another principle for us, and that is activate God's abundance. Activate God's abundance. I don't know, how many of you were good in math in school? Let's hear it from the math nerds. Yes, you guys are a special breed, thank God for you. You and your skills have made all the great things technologically happen and exist in our world, and us uh, non-math people are very grateful. My experience in math has not always been good. Um, In my most rebellious years in high school, I remember one math class, I sat there all semester, it was our teacher's last class that he was teaching that, that year, And uh, then he was retiring and he was a little senile and he probably should have retired already and we were horrible as students. And anyway, I'm just sitting there on the back row, totally tuned out. I know you you guys were all straight A students, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was a moment where he left the room for an extended period of time at the very end of that first semester and I hadn't turned in a single assignment. (laughs) So it wasn't looking good. And I looked up and there's his grade book sitting open and he's gone. I look around. All the other students are distracted, doing student stuff. (laughs) Let's see what we got here. So you know your pastor. I hopped up, walked over. Let's take a look. And my he didn't he didn't have zeros listed by my name. They were just all blank. And I grabbed that little pencil right there. And I looked at the person there. 95 93, started giving myself A's all the way down to the last assignment, 97. Set my p- pencil down and went and sat down. <laughs> Would you believe I got an A? I got A! I was A! I thought I was so smart. I thought I would have outsmarted the system. I was so dialed in. I got an A. I'm just gonna do that again, second semester. So I sat back there and I'm telling you, he figured me out. He had a bead on me, senile and all. He knew what was going on because he never left the room again. He never left that book open. There was no way I could get to it and I flunked that second semester and all my friends are out having fun, summer, good times, all that. Every single day that summer, I'm going to summer school. Two sessions summer school, trying to make up all that ground I lost. I'm saying all this to just say I'm not the best at math, but I want to share some math with you. We all know that when it comes to math, even even us math goobs can follow this. Ten minus one equals what? Nine. Some of you are like, is this a trick question? It's okay. Ten minus one equals nine. It's basic Math, you take 10, you take one away, you just have nine left over. But in Jesus' miracle of the loaves and fishes, he's going to introduce something to challenge our thinking a little bit. Not about kind of the way the universe works as far as numbers, but about how the universe works as far as abundance. Check this out. We call this Jesus math. I would say Jesus math could look like this. 10 minus 1 equals 11. What? What? It all depends on where this one goes. And when you take your energy, the, the amount of energy God gives and you give a portion of it back to him and in service to others, God multiplies that and it becomes more than you started with. When you take your money and you give some of it back to him and you trust him with it and to help others, God God multiplies that and it The end result is something more than you started with, right? When when you take your life and you say, God, I'm surrendering it to you, you actually get more. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fishes. He breaks them, he blesses them, and he multiplies them, and they provide more than what they started with. In fact, check this out. Mark chapter 6 Beginning in verse 42, this is beautiful, says they all ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of what? Leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So some people have said this could be like the the miracle of the feeding of the 15,000. It's amazing, right? But you look at this story, what I love about it is that there were leftovers. God did not have to provide leftovers. But God is a generous God. And so he not only provided what people needed, don't miss this, he provided so much more than they needed that they had to go through and get 12 baskets of leftovers. That tells you something about the heart of God. This is Jesus' math right here. Listen, it's an example of God's abundance and how his abundance works. See, the more you give... Right? The more you donate, the more you pour out, the more God shows up in that, the more He makes things happen in that. Listen, the more you give, the more leftovers return to you. The more you give, the more you release His abundance in your world. I think He sets up this amazing principle that God will multiply whatever you supply. God will multiply whatever you supply. So think about this. If you want more time, give God the little time that you have. If you want more resources, give God the little that you have. If you want more influence, give God the little that you have. If you want more talent or gifting, give God the little that you have. If you want more knowledge, give God the little that you have. If you want more freedom, give God the little that you have. You want more faithfulness and more commitment in your life, then give God the little that you have that you have, whatever you value, whatever's in short supply, offer your little to God. And what happens is you activate his abundance. Listen, whatever you release to him not only goes out and makes a huge impact, but it also comes back around and leaves you with more than what you gave. It's God's math. And I'm so proud of our central family in this season. You guys have served, and you've given, and you've sacrificed. You've been absolutely amazing, taking care of your neighbors, and your friends, and your community. And what I think many of us have found is, when you do that, you activate God's abundance, right? And it's not just like you know, uh, remember the old There's a book and like a movie called The Secret. It's not just like The Secret. It's not all just like positive vibes going out into the universe, and then I get a positive result back. And sometimes. People think, like, is this karma right now in my life, you know, this that I see happening? And it's not karma. The Bible talks a lot about what we might call sowing and reaping, and it's this idea that you tend to grow whatever you plant. Hello. You tend to grow whatever you plant. If you blow off math class and homework, you tend to reap summer school, right? But if you invest yourself in the classwork, you tend to reap passing grades. (laughs) Some of us, that takes more work than others. If you're always acting selfishly, then you tend to reap loneliness. But if you act with love and concern for others, you tend to reap friendship. See, if you spend everything you earn on your own needs and desires, then you'll tend to reap scarcity. It just feels like no matter what you have, it's not enough. But when you're generous and you give to others, And you're moved by the needs of others. You tend to reap an abundance. It's not just a sense that you have enough, but a sense that God is using you to make a difference. And so in Matthew, Jesus takes this whole idea, this whole concept of reaping and sowing, and he actually blows it out. And he says, when it comes to food and clothing and all the things that you need to survive, he says, just don't worry about those things. don't worry about them. These are the things that consume the hearts and minds of people who do not believe. He says, but you as people of faith, don't worry about that. God will supply your needs. God knows your needs. And God knows how to show up and meet your needs. The only thing worth worrying about is loving God and loving others. Using your little to make a big difference. That's what life's all about. So you don't have to look out for number one. Because the real number one is looking out for you. You don't have to look out for number one. The real number one is looking out for you. And he can be your source of security so that you can step in to your significance. And I'm proud of the Central family and the way we've leveraged what God has given us to serve others in this season. And friends, I want to challenge you to continue doing it. One of my favorite stories is a story, a true story, uh, about an insurance salesman named Bob that uh, Pastor John Ortberg wrote about in a book called "If You Want to Walk." If you If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And he tells he tells a story about Bob. Bob was being mentored by this other guy, and he's talking to him, and he's like, you know, he wasn't sure prayer actually worked. And so his mentor says, "All right, Bob," he goes, "Look, I'm going to make you a bet. I bet you $500." That if you will pray for something every day for six months that things will start to happen in that area of your life one way or another that you know you'll sense that god is answering that prayer and he's like if god shows up then um then you pay me 500 if god doesn't show up i'll pay you 500 that's a pretty solid bet right it's a vegas style bet so bob goes all right you know so he takes him up on it and he isn't sure what he's going to pray for and he just decides randomly that he's going to pray for kenya for no reason he doesn't have any relationship to kenya he just decides i'm gonna pray for kenya it's a bet we'll see what happens so for six months every day he wakes up first thing he prays for kenya he does this for two months nothing happens bob starts thinking i'm about to make 500 bucks and then he finds himself you know at this gathering and he's seated next to these people and he's talking to them and they both happen to be from Kenya. They're actually a part of running the largest orphanage in Kenya, Africa. And he's thinking to himself, you are kidding me. I'm praying for Kenya every day. So they're like, oh, you ought to come check it out. Come over, check it out. You know, like fly to Kenya. He, well, he's doing this thing already. Even though it's crazy, he's like, I'm going to go check out the orphanage, right? So he gets on a plane. He flies to Kenya. They show him the orphanage. He tours around. He's so moved. He gets back home. He realizes there's a huge need for basic, like medical supplies and things. And so because he's a salesman in insurance, he just starts cold calling different companies, working relationships, and starts talking to these pharmaceutical companies about whether or not they can donate some of their um medical supplies that they won't be able to use that could still be used in other countries. And uh, then he starts to coordinate kind of what to do with those. He gets involved financially. And basically they send over a million dollars worth of pharmaceutical drugs to this orphanage in Kenya that Bob got connected with because he started praying about it every day. Amazing. But then they say, we wanna have this huge celebration to celebrate all that you've done. And so they invite him over to have a big celebration at the orphanage, so he flies back to Kenya, and would you believe the president of Kenya shows up at this thing that they were doing for him, gives him a personal tour of uh, Nairobi, and while they're on this personal tour, Bob, they drive past this prison, and they're the president of Kenya says, yeah, there's some American political prisoners that are in this prison. And Bob, the insurance guy, is like, well, tell me about that. And he starts telling them kind of what it's all about. And it's old history. He goes, man, you ought to just let them go. Like, why do you, I don't understand why they would still be there, you know, in this situation. You ought to just let them go. And would you believe a few months later, Bob's back in America and he gets a phone call from the state department. State Department official says, hey, we just want you to know these political prisoners got released from Kenya. We've been in negotiations for a while about it, and your name came up in the conversation. And I love that story because Pop's just an insurance guy. But there's really not a just is, right? Because we're all God's kids. And what could happen in your life and in mine if we just started praying every day, God, move, work, if we started believing that he would show up you know, I shared this story a few years ago at a church in California when I spoke there. And I went back a, a few years later, and um, after service, this young couple comes up to me, and they got this beautiful little boy in their arms, and they say, Jeff, we want you to meet our son. And um, I'm like, awesome, you know? And they said, Yeah, his name is Judd. I'm like, you don't meet a lot of those. I'm like, cool name, bro. And these parents who I've never met said, we named him after you, which at this point I'm like, are you guys okay? And they said, when you came a couple years ago and you shared that story about Bob, the insurance salesman, we went home. And even though the doctors had told us we could never have kids, even though we kind of jumped through all the hoops, they'd said it's not gonna happen. We just decided, well, maybe that's not God's will for us, but we're gonna pray every day indefinitely and challenge God in this to see if he'll move. And he said, we started praying every day and we kept getting second opinions and other doctor appointments and jumping through medical hoops and months went by and more months and more months. And then they said, our little miracle baby suddenly showed up. My wife was pregnant. So they said, when he was born, we were just reminded that it was that story about Bob that got us going spiritually to trust God and this is God's miracle child to us. And so... We've named him after you. Amazing. But what could God do in your life? What could he do in my life if we live with that kind of faith and trust? If we prayed like we believed? If we believe God could bless, break, and multiply in our lives, resources, time, energy, love, relationships, I think we'd go on an amazing adventure and we'd realize God doesn't just want to increase your resources. He wants to increase your impact in your life. He'd do it. So friends, maybe you're here today and maybe when you think about Jesus' story, it's a challenge for you to not look past what you have, but to realize you're in a battle right now and you gotta start with what you have. You got time, talent, resources, side hustle, God's spirit, the church community. You have Christ working in your life. You have a lot. Start with what you have. And then activate God's abundance by taking what little you have, your little time, your little energy, your little money, whatever it is, and and giving a portion of that. Giving it back to God, surrendering it to him, and asking him to multiply that in your life. For some of you, maybe it's signing up to serve and getting involved, making a difference in somebody else's lives. Maybe it's making a commitment with your time. I'm going to give the first 15 minutes or 30 minutes of my day to God in prayer and in his word so that he can move and work in my life. Maybe it's signing up to be a generosity rock star. I'm going to take a portion of what God gives to me of my little. I'm going to give it back to help others and trust God to multiply that. Activate his abundance. How do we meet oversized needs with undersized resources? Well, we start with what we have. We keep going because he keeps giving, and then we activate God's abundance. Activate his abundance in your life. See, whatever you give in God's name will be multiplied by God's even when you have less than enough, God can do more than you expect. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. I'd love to give you that opportunity to reach out to Christ and touch, trust him in your life and begin that spiritual journey. So I'm going to ask all of you, would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? And If you'd like to take that spiritual step today, you can begin by just repeating this prayer after me. Just to acknowledge you're going to trust God and you're going to follow him in your life is say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to say before God, you're going to follow him in your life. You're going to trust him today. Wherever you're at, just slip your hand in the air. If you're at one of our locations, slip your hand in the air. If you're watching online, slip your hand in the air, wherever you're at. God, we thank you today for your love. I thank you for each person trusting you today. I pray you'll fill their life with your abundance and with your goodness. We thank you that you love to not only meet our needs, but give us even more. And I pray you will pour your blessings out on each person today who's reaching out to you and trusting you in their life. To those reaching out in faith for the first time, fill them with forgiveness, love, joy, peace, the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal life. We commit them to you and we thank you you for them in Christ's name.